Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Periodical Podcast. As you know, I'm your host, Kevin, and as always, I'm joined with by Tavis. Howdy. And we're excited to bring you another episode. So this week, we're actually going to be discussing the exodus from the oil and gas industry. It's going to cover the content in this week's periodical that I posted this past snowy Wednesday, September the 9th. can't believe it's already snowing here in Colorado, Tavis. Anyways, take it away. All righty. The oil and gas industry was contracting well before the coronavirus pandemic broke out in the United States and brought the economy to a screeching halt. But as companies reorganized by slashing capital, cutting G&A, and writing down asset values, many oil and gas jobs have been eliminated. Now, we are seeing a large number of experienced personnel leaving the oil industry, and many of them are leaving for good. This actually isn't the first time that this has happened in our industry. After the 1986 oil crash, the industry experienced, quote, the great crew change. Basically, that's when a 20-year workforce age gap developed as a result of that major downturn. So industry leaders were nervous about a similar phenomenon arising during the 2014 to 2016 downturn where thousands of individuals just left the industry and it basically dissuaded entry by the younger workforce. And the problem is it was this once-in-a-generation downturn, but now we're seeing two of those in the past five years and it's basically creating this second great crew change. And it's no secret that in this industry, there are booms and busts, with some larger than the others. The 2014-2016 bust was labeled as once-in-a-generation downturn that rattled the industry. And now, just five years later, we have a second once-in-a-generation downturn. This fossil fuels industry lost an estimated 118,000 jobs from March to July, representing a staggering 15.5% drop in employment for the energy sector. The struggle will not be disappearing anytime soon, as experts predict employment could fall to a 15-year low in the coming months, and many believe the lost jobs and industry as a whole may never fully recover. So let's get a more detailed picture of what's happening. So we're going to go down to Texas, where they keep a lot more of these statistics data on hand. So as we know, like many other industries before the coronavirus, things were just chugging along. Not saying things were great, but, you know, the industry was moving forward. Employment was good. Morale was high. But once things started to go south, the industry only employed 162,000 workers in June. That still sounds pretty good, but it's actually down from 208,000 just four months prior. So these 46,000 jobs that were lost from February to June, it really provides a, a grim look at the state of the industry. And unfortunately, the future doesn't look much better. This guy named Carr Ingram, he's the chief petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Petroleum Producers, said that he actually expects oil and gas jobs to fall to about 150,000 in the next three months, which would be the lowest since 2005. 2005? Man, this sucks. With the domestic unemployment rate hovering at 10.2% in July, A 28% unemployment rate in the oil and gas industry is foreboding for any individual. You don't even need to be in the industry for 28% number like that to scare you. Although, the U.S. energy sector did add 5,800 jobs in July, but there are still more than 1.1 million energy workers in oil, natural gas, coal, nuclear, power generation, transmission, motor vehicles, and fuels. All those people who are also still out of work. 
At the current pace of job growth, it would take more than 16 years, 16 years to recover the energy jobs lost since February. And yet, the worst appears to be still in front of us. I mean, I don't know about you, Tavis, but 28% unemployment. I mean, we're in the industry and, and that scares me. Like, oh, that's... of course. I mean, I'm still, I'd like to stay in the industry for as long as possible. But if, I mean, I thought things were getting better, but at this pace, 16 years to get back to where we were a couple of months ago, maybe things aren't getting as good as I thought as quickly as I also thought. Exactly. And so that that fear kind of that's developing it's kind of creating this kind of quote, the great crew change. Actually, you know what? Have you ever heard of the great crew change? Oh man, all of our professors would talk about it when I was going through. I mean, the the younger ones on the front end would say, oh, I'm one of the young guys and eventually it'll probably happen to you when they were talking about 2014, 2016, but I, I don't think they predicted this at all. Yeah, so I don't think anyone could have possibly predicted it, but basically what this great crew change is, is back in the day, so during that 1986 downturn, Basically, it created this workforce gap where most of the engineers, geoscientists, pretty much just every individual that was in the industry, they're either over 55 or under 35. So does that kind of sound familiar a little bit more now? Just a little bit, just a little bit. So it happened during those, quote, once in a generation downturns that shaped the industry. Now, luckily for them, it actually was once in a generation. (laughs) Um, In the 1970s, when oil prices just skyrocketed, there were thousands of baby boomers that studied petroleum engineering, geophysics, and basically any energy profession. But after prices crashed in 1986, only a few members of Gen X entered the industry. There were not many jobs, and oil and gas extraction jobs fell by 30% from 1982 through the end of the decade, similar to what we're seeing now. And it basically led to this generation gap that haunted the industry for years. It is almost kind of eerie to think about. I mean, 1970s, oil prices skyrocketed and thousands of people studied petroleum engineering. I mean, you could adjust the time frame to 2010 to 2014. Prices were great. And then people like you and me said, I'm going to be a petroleum engineer. Yeah. So this, <laughs> this is, that's the problem. This is exactly what we're seeing. Again, it's just this cyclic boom bust nature of the industry and Like we said, that's really where the industry ran into problems. Mm -hmm. When the shale drilling revolution began in 2008, there were not enough professionals to meet demand. Furthermore, the American Petroleum Institute estimated in 2014 that 50% of the industry's workforce was on the verge of retirement. And the next person in line was on average 20 years younger. That is the gap we're talking about. Basically, the old crew that compromised half of a company's workforce would be leaving the industry leaving companies shorthanded and inexperienced. The type of real-world experience that can't be taught in schools by reading a book or studying a report was lacking for many younger professionals. CEOs lamented the short-sightedness of layoffs in 1990s that discouraged an entire generation from joining the industry. Problematically, they're making the same mistakes today. Can we not learn from the past? (laughs) I mean, that's what people are really nervous about. There was this big generational gap and, you know, fear really and a a perception problem in the industry just caused people to shy away from the industry i mean but honestly looking at these you know big cycles big booms big busts can you blame them oh no not at all but i kind of wonder how people feel about it today all right so here we go fast forward to today there's this growing distaste for the oil and gas industry among potential young employees 
And that combined with the economic crisis of the pandemic, it's making it really hard to tackle competition, say from renewables or electric vehicles. I mean, think of those Google jobs and Tesla jobs. It's hard to attract people to an industry where there's not a whole lot of job stability and what kind of um, on, on a surface level appears to be harmful to the environment. So this next generation of workers, so our generation, Tavis and I's generation, they appear to have two key goals on their mind. A, job security, and B, the environment. Really among the top two perception problems for the oil and gas industry as a whole. And I'd like to hit you with a couple of fun facts. 62% of teens aged 16 to 19 say a career in oil and gas is unappealing, with 39% saying that the industry is very unappealing. Up significantly from the 44% of those aged 20 to 35 who said they are not attracted to oil and gas jobs, all 45% said they still are. The distaste by the younger crowd, 16 to 19, appears to be more environmentally motivated, while the older groups, 20 to 35, appear to be concerned with job security. And that's, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd say that's totally correct. I feel like job security, maybe I didn't think about that so much, jumping into oil and gas, but the environment. That's why I got into it. My mom would watch the Today Show every day. And the BP oil spill came up, and I said, man, I want to work in the industry to prevent things like that, instead of two middle fingers up and... <laughs> back to the problem kind of you have the the opposite reaction of most people yep. you know most people think when they think of you know the the energy industry and kind of the environmental issues they think the oil and gas industry it's this you know giant monster where kind of more the reality of the situation seems to be you know if you're really concerned with the environment you know come join the industry and help make a difference exactly instead of just talking garbage about it, I wanted to do something that was more effective than just, I guess, protesting and picketing. Yeah, so Glassdoor recently released key findings showing where Gen Z wants to work. And their findings are individuals are seeking, quote, a relaxed work environment, flexible hours, and good pay. Oh, wow. They think they're special? <laughs> yeah. Well, ironically, only one of those descriptions is, you know, associated with the oil and gas industry, and that's just good pay. While the other two are pretty laughable. Relaxed work environment, no. Oil and gas jobs tend to be, you know, more, you know, strict and narrow. And then flexible hours, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so those descriptions are kind of more closely aligned with trends that Glassdoor is noticing, which is more of a shift towards environmentally friendly, software focused, software focused, technology heavy, and kind of more sales driven companies like Amazon, Google, Deloitte, Tesla. In addition, there was some findings released recently that the number one concern of individuals aged 13 to 17 and a different, you know, group aged 18 to 36, both of them, their number one concern was a climate change and the environment. Due to an overwhelming impression that the oil industry is low tech and harmful to the environment, future generations are deterred from pursuing a career in an industry that goes against many things they believe are important to their future. In addition, Many older individuals are being pushed out of the industry due to the job market. As of early August, only a third of the petroleum engineers who graduated this past spring from Texas A&M's university with a bachelor's degree had a job, a third, while about 70% of the class of 2019 had found jobs by that time last year. So Tavis, you're a recent grad. How many of your peers would you say, A, you know, just got jobs in general, and then maybe B, actually got jobs in the oil and gas industry? I'd say like in terms of professional, you know, jobs where they use their degree, maybe not petroleum engineering specifically, but I'd say about probably, I'd say 50 to 75%, I'd say strong, found a job, you know, where they could use their degree, 
which I'd say is pretty good for right now. But in terms of oil and gas, mm, less 25 or less, man. Yeah. I'm I mean, looking on LinkedIn and I'm seeing updates that do not reflect what we studied. Yeah, that's and, and that's kind of the issue. And I mean, it's scaring people away. I mean, you look at, I'm pretty sure Mines had a, you know, a, a statistic in, you know, a Mines magazine that I was reading that, you know, the number of petroleum engineering students, you know, say, you know, back when I was in school, you know, the, you know, freshman levels, you know, it was only, you know, like 20 to 30 in the program, whereas sophomores, it was say 50 juniors was, you know, a hundred. And then, you know, my graduating class, I think was, you know, 136 or something. It's just people are really scared of the industry right now. Yeah. I mean, my class was, I think around 80 and then so many people dropped in this past semester coming back into the new year, had transferred to different things. I know a lot of younger kids and they said, nope, I'm out. So clearly it's not only the environment that is kind of causing this shift away from careers in oil and gas. I mean, this industry, it has this history of booms that create tons and tons of jobs, but also just massive busts that end abruptly with, you know, tears and layoffs. And that notorious reputation was solidified during this previous oil crash during 2014 to 2016, where an estimated 200,000 jobs were lost. So the energy sector has become really a tough place to start a career right now. There are graduates, I mean, you know, think of all those grads that Tavis was just talking about, where they went to a good school, they got good grades, and yet they don't have a, you know, a professional job. That uncertainty can really spook anybody. And with big oil's environmental issues, whether valid or not, the boom to bust nature has created this negative stigma that may make it difficult to attract talent in the future. These younger generations are seeking industries where careers are, you know, more stable, less blue collar, you know, maybe a little easier. And, you know, this stigma against the industry, it's, it's tough to attract talent. They want to work for what has been advertised as the energy of the future. And they see oil and natural gas as more their parents' fuels. Theirs are this, you know, renewable and, and green. So do you think that there's any good to this? Because clearly 200,000 job cuts, even moving to coronavirus seasons where there was a whole lot more what about the people who are still standing in it? What about people like you and me who are fortunate enough to maintain a foothold? Can we move forward? Can people benefit from that? Absolutely. But the issue is going to be when, you know, those more experienced professionals come time to retire, we're just not going to have as much industry knowledge. I mean, oh, kind of like we said, that, close. that skin in the game type experience, you can't, you know, learn that through a book or by reading a magazine, something like that. It's it's one of those things where you have to experience it to really know, you know, what's going on. So when those people retire, there's gonna be this big generational, you know, experience gap. And, you know, it's probably gonna be detrimental to the industry. You know, when younger individuals who don't have as much experience are really taking the reins, you know, maybe they'll bring that energy, that excitement to the industry, but at the same time, they just don't know as much as those older individuals. Clearly, the real problem lies in the ebbs and flows of the industry. When it's good, oh man, is it great. And when it's bad, it's awful. That is what big oil is up against, especially in a time when two once-in-a-generation downturns have occurred within five years of each other. Young people want to work for the energy companies of the future, and unfortunately, in their view, hydrocarbons are not the future. Unfortunately, the industry has this perception problem. It's perceived as low-tech, free environmental goals, and really void of all job security. Some of those are true, but many aren't necessarily valid. 
with 118,000 jobs lost so far in the current downturn, paired with the 200,000 jobs lost just five years prior, these numbers prove that, once again, oil and gas professional career, they're defined by price volatility, and there is, in fact, no job security. Engineers are smart people. They're capable of working successfully in any industry that promises sustained employment rather than this roller coaster that we see here. And if oil and gas companies don't start taking career stability seriously, they're going to find few takers when they put up that help wanted sign. Truly only those that are invested in the science and development of these resources are going to survive. Chasing a paycheck during the up cycles will only result in professionals leaving during the downturns. But luckily for the industry, fossil fuels aren't going away anytime soon. The world still needs hydrocarbons to fuel society, and many of the jobs that exist now will likely to continue to exist well into the future. To make sure there are no experience or really generational gaps, many major oil and gas companies are still hiring, regardless of upcoming layoffs. For instance, I know BP, you know, we've seen that they're laying off 10,000 people, and yet they're still bringing on new hires. This might kind of make individuals upset, but it's going to help bridge that generational gap. So rather than continuing to repeat the history of the past, these companies are pivoting and trying to embrace digital innovations. The result, it's going to be more efficiencies leveraging on technology-centered knowledge, basically to employ younger generations while still maintaining the existing technical background. And I think that's another one for the books. Another episode finished up. Hope you enjoyed it. And if not, make sure to leave us some comments. We love to hear from you. Hey, in fact, this was actually our 10th episode. So thanks for uh, joining us. Hopefully you guys have listened Woo! to all 10. And, you know, if this is your first, hopefully you enjoyed it. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody. Have a good one.